Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Brooke. Well, I'll say, bless the Lord. If you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Is everybody dry and safe? The bottom fell out out there, didn't it? That actually doesn't make sense. I guess the top fell out, but I'll work on my euphemisms later. I'm Chris. I'm the pastor here, I promise. <laughs> At least this week. Uh, and I'm delighted you're here. If you're new with us, welcome. We'd love to get to know you, hear your story. Um, tonight's a special night for us, about once every four or five weeks. We like to come to the Lord's table. We call it Eucharist. It's a fancy Greek word that simply means thanksgiving or grace. We're wrapping up a series called Love and Lies, Myths About Marriage and Singleness, and it's been an incredible series. I think we spoke to the heart of a lot of issues. I'm proud that this is a place where we can honestly and authentically connect to God and each other and have a conversation that we need to have. So we're going to wrap it up, and we're going to be in the same text that we've been in for the last two weeks. It's Ephesians 5, where Paul paints the picture of an ideal marriage and uses the metaphor of Christ and the bride of Christ, which is us, the church. So if you have your Bibles, we'll turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Let me pray for us as we're turning there. Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Jesus, would you go before us in this text and make a way? And together we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. Start in verse 21, that's correct. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husband as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, brace yourself, here it comes. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, taste the rainbow, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one hated their own, has ever hated their own body, but they feed and take care of their own body, just as Christ does for the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his mother and father and be united with his wife. The two will become one flesh. This is a profound ministry. That's great. It's a ministry and a ministry. <laughs> this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. There is an ancient liturgy that's been passed down from generation to generation. No, it's not going to be the one that Audrey's going to help come and lead us through before we go to the Lord's table, although it's a good one. This one's a little bit more organic. Uh, it, usually you'll find it in the home rather than church. 
my grandmother handed it down to my mother, who handed it down to me, and sometimes I'll often catch my wife saying some variation or form or shape of this liturgy that's been passed down through the generations to our kids. Let me see if you recognize it. It's usually around supper time, and it goes something like this. Supper time, wash your hands. I did. Let me see. Try again. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Anybody want to admit they used to be a dirty, rotten liar who was just really, really hungry and wanted to try to pull the wool over your parents' eyes, but yet they didn't realize they weren't blind? Maybe that's just my kids. If you've never seen it, we'd like to invite you over for dinner. You'll feel a lot better about your spiritual maturity. That's Paul. He's letting us know that in the ideal Christian marriage, there's a profound mystery about Christ and the church. And when the church comes to the table together, supper time, we need to remember that is the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus that cleanses us, cleans us, and makes us holy so that we can come to the table to remember the fellowship of Jesus' sufferings and looking forward to his future coming glory. This is what we're after. This is the sermon tonight. This bears all the weight. Jesus told us to do this and to show his death until he comes again. And Paul's just picking up on echoes of this. He's describing an ideal Christian marriage, and he can't stop himself from continuing to say, this reminds me of Jesus and the church, the bridegroom and the bride. He has to go where husbands, when he's trying to give them motivation about how to love their wives, he goes, like Christ loved the church, he gave himself up for her. He made her holy by the washing of the water with the word. You and I need to be washed and made clean and made holy as we come to the table together tonight. John Stott, who is a real stout theologian, he's like a triple espresso without any cream or sugar. It's going to be tough going down, but you'll be really energized afterwards, okay? He said this about this passage and about Christian marriage. He said, any book on Christian marriage should not be in the Christian living section of the book, sure, it should be in the doctrine section. You're like, well, what does he mean by that? He's like, if you're on Amazon, uh, if you're at McKay's, God forbid, or you're at your favorite local bookstore, it's not fun. Um, you should march straight to the doctrine section to find Christian marriage books on there. And it said specifically, it should be underneath the doctrine of atonement. And atonement simply means this. The penalty for your sin was paid by someone else so that you could be clean, pure, and holy. And any Christian marriage should reflect the fact that because of Jesus' atoning sacrifice, therefore, a man and a woman, regardless of their brokenness, their sin, or their differences, should be able to find strength to sacrifice and serve one another through the love of Jesus Christ, no matter how difficult it is. And that's a compelling picture, and it's one that's often fractured for many of us. But tonight, we get to see the ideal. It's Jesus coming for his church. So I think that age-old liturgy might have something for us, not only in the text, but also in the table tonight. Here's what it might sound like, if you'll give me some permission to use my imagination, of what God the Father might be saying to us if he was calling us for supper time. Supper time, I've prepared a table for you. 
I've longed to abide with you and feed you and nourish you and love you and talk with you and make sure you're equipped and empowered to live out the person that I desire for you to become. Wash your hands. I need you to make sure that you repent and that you're reconciled to your brothers and sisters. I want you to have a tangible taste of what it feels like to be at peace with me and with each other because I don't want anything to separate or contaminate you from my love that is found through my son, Jesus Christ. Our response after hearing supper time, wash your hands. We're going to say, I did. Loose translations, I didn't. Why? Because we, it's a knee-jerk reaction when it comes to our sin and our shame. We want to lie to God so that we can lie to ourselves and not truly confront the brokenness inside of us. And we stick out our hands and we remember what it is that we've stuck them in. We want to hide them in our pockets. And even though we're starving for the sustenance and the satisfaction of Jesus, still our knee-jerk reaction is to pull away from his penetrating gaze. Perhaps the Father would say to you tonight before you come to the table, let me see. And your hands may begin to tremble, but underneath the light and the glory of his love and his gaze, you may realize there's a lot more dirt underneath your fingernails than you realized. You might realize there's stains there that you thought you didn't have, but you actually are carrying with you from last week or last year. And you're going to want to reflexively run away. But I would tell you that he wants to wash you clean with the water of his word. That Jesus' sacrifice was enough, even for your deepest, darkest doubts, fears, and shames. And that you can bring them to the table tonight and find his favor and find his forgiveness. And so maybe he would look at us and go, try again. This time, try with the truth, because there is plenty of water for the washing. His mercy and his goodness does not run out. There's plenty of water for the washing tonight. Jesus loved us and gave himself up for us. The word also tells us that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning was the word, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. The grace of that word becoming flesh and dwelling among us tonight is you are loved and you're valued and you are seen and there's a place at the table for you because of Jesus. The truth of that word becoming flesh is you could not save yourself. There had to be an atoning sacrifice made for you. Tonight, let's remember it together as we come to the table. And let us remember the words of the psalm that says, Who can ascend God's holy hill or stand in God's holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Amen. Bless the Lord who forgives all our sins. His mercy endures forever. 
Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Let us pray together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. On the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup of wine, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your hearts by the faith with thanksgiving. So we like to practice what's called open communion here at Kairos. That simply means this. If you meant the words of that confession and you are a follower and friend of Jesus, you are welcome at this table. I would caution you, if you didn't mean the words of those confession, you're in willful disobedience or rebellion against God, or you're just spiritually curious here tonight, I could not be more happy that you're here. I would caution you to wait. Wait till you come to a place of repentance and recognition of who Jesus is so that you can participate fully in the family meal. Now, this is a large family, so that means anybody with a large family knows there's chaos, okay? And chances are, if you're tender, you're going to get your feelings hurt, okay? Some people are going to make a lot of noise. There's going to be a lot of jostling, but I promise there's food for everyone. So in just a minute, I'll let the balcony come down first, the bleachers, and honorary bleachers, those are you guys right there, until such a time as that's resurrected from the dead. <laughs> and as you come forward, just know this, we'll have um, a cup and we'll have bread. 
And when you come forward, Audrey will hand you a wafer and she'll say, uh, the body of Christ or the bread of heaven. If you'll do us a favor and just put both your hands out like this in a posture of receiving, she'll place it in your hands. And when she says that, take your time, look her in the eyes, and then we have a covenant response. This is us renewing our vows with Jesus. We'll put it on the screen. It'll say, I will love and I will be loved. So you get to speak back to us each time that we speak to you so it's not awkward. You can come to me, hang on to the wafer, don't eat it yet. If you do, you can get another one. It's okay, there's not an eternal penalty that I'm aware of. <laughs> we'll hand it to you, we'll dip it. Fancy word, intinction, you're welcome. We have a high Christology here. I'm just trying to use all my seminary words at once. <laughs> and I'll say the cup of salvation or the blood of Christ. You'll look at me in the eyes and say, I will love and I will be loved. What's that? That is our succinct articulation of the greatest commandment that Jesus gave to us. It's a reminder that we are the bride of Christ and we're renewing our wedding vows to him, that we are his and his alone and that we will be about his business. Once you do that, you return to your seat. We're gonna be singing during that time. You can sing over people. You can sing with people. You're allowed to say hi to people. We want it to be a big, happy family mess of worship. And then I full on expect after you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good and we have been given a tangible expression of the body and blood of Jesus, we should be singing our hearts out because God is truly that good. There's also hand sanitizer if you literally want to apply the sermon and wash your hands um, at the edge of each of the steps from the bleachers and imagined if they were there, there's some over there. But as you guys are ready, you come, we will receive you. Um, Matt, I'll let you go first. Sorry, I almost forgot about you. We'll have four tables up front, and then we'll also have two stations right there in the middle as well. You'll see them taking their place now. As Matt begins to play, bleachers and honorary bleachers, you can come. 